0: welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing this week's RBC Heritage Tournament 2023 edition. It is the week after the Masters, and we have another elevated event on the PGA Tour, which means that we've got plenty of opportunities to um, get in the action on this golf tournament, whether it's playing DFS, whether it's making bets, one and dones, whatever. We've got you covered here on this preview. We're going to break down the course, Town Golf Links, uh, and then we are going to kind of go golfer by golfer, talk about some profiles, some stats that you need to know, and then we're going to talk about a little bit of one and done strategy at the end so Whatever it is that you're in on for the RBC Heritage, we've got you covered. You know, we are, you know, kind of finishing up Masters Week, um, so it would not shock me if we had a few more withdrawals from this golf tournament. You know, Roy McIlroy has already withdrawn. Will Zalatoris has undergone surgery, which we wished him the best of luck. Um, and then um, Hideki Matsuyama and Aaron Wise have also withdrawn. So there may be a few more WDs before this tournament does start, but that is where we are currently standing right now as I'm recording this on a Monday night. So just know that things could be subject to change on that. All right. So in the coming weeks, we are going to be primarily a golf podcast. Um, you know, most of the other seasons that we do content for college basketball, college football, NFL are currently out of season, but it is still um, the PGA tour season. So that's what we're going to be focusing on here the next few weeks here on Mike's Money Picks. So if you want to be notified when the next episode drops, please hit that subscribe button. Also rate and review while you are there. It really does help me out a lot. I promise. Um, and um, you know, we're going to be a little bit lighter on content, but that's okay. It just means we're going to get a little more time to focus focus on and do the research for um, the golf episodes. Uh, I am going to have a little bit of extra stuff going on in my life. I've mentioned before that um, I am a teacher and a coach. I'm currently applying for national board certification for teachers. So this is kind of a nice little timing for me that I get to kind of have a little bit of extra time to devote to, you know, applying for national boards. Um, But yet I'm still going to be able to get out the good content to you guys here weekly with the golf episodes. All right. So Without further ado, you can go ahead and put 30 minutes on the clock. I promise this will be the best 30-minute preview, most comprehensive preview that you will get for this golf tournament this week. But first, we're going to go ahead and get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so the host of the 2023 RBC Heritage is Town Golf Links, located on Hilton Head, South Carolina. Y'all, I know I feel like I say this a lot, but this is one of my favorite events on the PGA Tour. Um, it is a course where I have been to Hilton Head Island. My family has gone to Hilton Head Island before. It's a super nice spot, like super small island. And really, there's just not a whole lot of land on the island for a whole lot of golf courses, but there are still a lot of golf courses. Like, it's kind of insane how many golf courses are on that one island. And so, you know, that's kind of evident what you have here at Harbortown. Not a whole lot of land is used. It's very tight. It's very small and it definitely provides a little bit of a different type of feel from what we saw last week at Augusta where everything was wide open and you had a ton of room for whatever shot you wanted to hit. Now in terms of course history, town is pretty sticky. You, you tend to see guys do well here year in and year out if they do well here Um, you know, once they're likely to do well here again. But because of the place on the schedule with it being right after the Masters, a lot of big names generally don't play here. So you're not going to have a whole lot of course history from a lot of the bigger name guys that are playing this week because this week is an elevated event. Now, on the scorecard, Harbortown is a par 71. It is almost 7,200 yards in length, one of the shorter courses on the PGA Tour. It only features three par 5s, still features four par 3s, all of which are over 180 yards, kind of similar to Colonial Country Club in that regard in terms of the lengths of the par 3s. Uh, it also features Bermuda Greens, much of which are you know what you're going to see in the southern United States uh, on the PGA Tour. Now, it is also a Pete Dye design, which are you know a lot of other courses on the PGA Tour. We're going to get more into that later. But you see a lot of the same architectural features that you see with a lot of P-Dye designs here at Town. Now, Harbortown year in and year out ranks as one of the lowest driving distances on the PGA Tour because of the amount of doglegs that are on the course and the narrow fairways that are on the course. It's just a really tough driving course because you really have to hit your spots or else you could be dealing with tree trouble, you could be dealing with sand, water, like you could just not have a good angle to play your second shot to the green if you box yourself out on your first shot. So hitting your spot is often more important hitting it long and even if you do hit it long it's likely that you're not even going to gain an advantage because you're just going to mess yourself up in terms of the angle for the second shot. Now, Harbortown also features well below average size greens, which makes it even more important that you're going to end up playing to spots in, you know, off your tee shot, and you're going to need to hit a good shot to hit that green. Like, like I cannot stress this enough. If you get out of position off the tee, it makes it very hard to hit these greens here at Town. And that's evidence because there is one of the lowest green regulation percentages on the PGA Tour at Town. So what you end up with is because guys play to similar spots off the tee, shorter hitters tend to do well here because they're not disadvantaged by their lack of you know distance off the tee I mean if you just look at the winners it's a whole lot of guys that are generally shorter hitters Webb Simpson Matt Kuchar Wesley Bryan Stewart Sink you know you don't see a whole lot of bombers here you don't see Bryson DeChambeau in the winner's circle here at Town. now this course can get very difficult if it gets windy and rainy the year that Webb Simpson set the course record there was like a notable lack of weather it was perfect conditions all week long and so guys were really able to hit a lot of greens and to um Um, you know, go low day in and day out. Now, if it does get windy and rainy, that would make the short game significantly more important because what you end up having happen is because the green and regulation percentage is so low here, Um, there's kind of two real pathways to victory. The first is just to hit significantly more greens than all your peers, which is going to give you more birdie putts and more opportunities to get a lower score. Or the second, if it does get windy and rainy and it does get really difficult, is to you know excel in the short game and to make more pars get more up and downs than your peers. However, I will say the short game is not as difficult here as it can be at other courses. This is not Augusta National, where you have to have every shot here in the bag in order to succeed. Now, in terms of courses that I'm going to compare this one to, you've got your you know, run-of-the-mill peat dye courses that feature a lot of the same architectural features. They're really not that long either. Um, the main ones I would use to compare would be TPC Sawgrass. Austin Country Club, TPC River Highlands um, for the Travelers Championship as well. Uh, And then there's also a whole group of other, you know, shorter positional courses. Sedgefield Country Club um, located in North Carolina, home of the Wyndham Championship is one. Colonial uh, Country Club in Texas, home of the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge is another one as well. Um, And then... There's also a subset of coastal windy courses that this one, I would say, compares to as well. The Puerto Rico Open, the Bermuda Championship, the Sony Open, and the RSM Classic, I would say, are four that um, generally fit the bill. Basically, whatever courses you have seen Webb Simpson or Siwoo Kim play at or play at well over the course of their career, that's a good comp course here for here at Town because um, Webb Simpson has a lot of success here, and he tends to have success at similar run of the mill courses. Now, I am not kidding when I say Harbertown is one of my favorite courses on the PGA Tour. I would say it's definitely in my top 10. Like, just the whole vibe of Hilton Head, South Carolina it creates a really good viewing experience, a lot of very um, pretty holes to look at. Uh, and I'm not playing when I say that it's in my top 10. Like, if, oh gosh, if I were to sit here and rank right now, like, obviously, you got the four majors, right? Um, And then I do enjoy the Waste Management Phoenix Open, TPC Scottsdale, Riviera for the Genesis Invitational, that's six. Quail Hollow Country Club will be seven. We'll go ahead and throw in Harbor Town at eight. Um, And then after that, I really do like watching Pebble Beach. That would be nine. Uh, And then we can go ahead and end the list with the Players' Championship, TBC Sawgrass. So there is the top 10. Uh, I'm not kidding. This is one of my top 10 favorite courses on the PGA Tour. And looking forward to picking some winners here this week. So let's go ahead and find out who those winners are. We're going to take a quick breather, and then we're going to profile some of the golfers that are playing here at Harbortown. Before we dive in, all course history courtesy of Ron Close at PGA Splits 101 on Twitter. A lot of good stuff over there. Uh, and all strokes gain numbers courtesy of the RickRungood.com database. All right, sitting at the top of the board in his new green jacket from winning the Masters is John Rahm. And I got to be honest, he's John Rahm. He's the number one ranked golfer in the world now. He's great. like He is the best golfer in the world according to pretty much everybody you would ask right now. But I don't think this is a great course fit for him. Um, You know, John Rahm excels at courses where he gets to use his long irons into greens. That's the one aspect of his game that he is better at than anybody else in the world. Uh, And so that's not going to be the case here at Town. So I really don't think that this is a course where Rahm is going to be able to take advantage of his skill set. Plus, I think there's got to be a lot that goes into being the winner of the Masters, right? Like he's going to be getting all the interviews, all the TV appearances, like he's going to have a busy week in front of him and he's trying to tee it up again here at RBC Heritage. I just don't think this is a great week to play John Rahm for that reason, and I'm okay with fading him in DFS and I'm okay with not betting him this week because of that granted is he still one of the best golfers on planet earth yes could he still win this event yes but I think there's a lot going on and I think this course does not take advantage of his skill set Now, Scotty Scheffler is next up, and he is a super well rounded T tee-to-green player. If you need evidence of that, you can actually look at his performance in the Masters. I know he didn't win the green jacket, but he actually led the field in strokes gained ball striking, that is, off the tee-plus approach. Um, And then he also was dead last in putting among all golfers who played four rounds at Augusta National last week, which is, like, pretty bad. I remember saying last week on the Masters podcast that um, Scotty Scheffler's floor in that tournament was, like, 12th. And that's pretty much what happened. He ended up coming in 10th, and he was dead last in putting among everybody who made the, made the cut. So if you just gave him a few more putts, like you're looking at a top five, maybe even like contending for a win out of Scotty Scheffler. And because he is so well-rounded, I think he does have the skill set to play well here at Town. Jordan Spieth is doing Jordan Spieth things. Um, through all the adventures and misadventures that he had at Augusta National, all the tree trouble, all the short game magic, all the short game mistakes, he actually still gained strokes in every category at the Masters, which is pretty impressive. And he's actually coming in with defending champ's flag. He won this event last year, and he actually lost strokes putting last year when he won the event, but he absolutely killed it on his approach. Um, he hit a lot of greens and was able to give himself enough looks at birdie that he made enough of them to win the golf tournament. And also Speeth historically plays pretty well the week after majors. So I actually really think that this is a good spot for Jordan Speeth. I don't really like that he's sitting as the third priced golfer on the board. I prefer to see him down a little bit lower, um, but if you're not really willing to go back to Romer or Scheffler, I absolutely understand going with Jordan Spieth this week. He does provide a lot of winning upside because like Like I said, if you can win this event with losing strokes putting, just imagine how much he would have dominated if he gained strokes putting. Next up is Patrick Cantlay, who is now looking like the heel of the PGA Tour after all of his slow play accusations from round four of the Masters. And I really don't think it was an accusation. Like, if you're just watching the broadcast, like... Cantlay's group and Rom's group were the only two on the course for what felt like two hours because they were playing so slow and you saw Victor Hovland even like walking ahead because he just got so tired of how slow Cantlay was playing. So there's a lot of people that are up in arms about Cantlay's slow play and look I get it if I were golfing you know out on a local course on a Saturday I'd be mad at waiting on somebody too especially if we were playing in pairs. So um, I kind of think you know like because of how many people are upset with him about his slow play Brooks Kepka included. um, if this kind of leads to lower ownership out of Patrick Cantlay, I'm kind of here for it. Patrick Cantlay actually lost in a playoff to Jordan Speed last year, and I think he fits the course very well. He's an elite level approach player. And like Scotty Scheffler, his ball striking numbers at Augusta National were really good, but he lost a lot of strokes putting. Not as much as Scotty, but he still lost them. Uh, and historically, Patrick Cantlay plays pretty well at P. Dye courses. He has three top three finishes here to boot. So like Everything points to Patrick Cantlay and if he's going to have ownership reduced because of some sentiment against his pace of play like I'm kind of all here for it like you don't have to love the guy or love how he plays for him to win you money on DraftKings or win you money as an outright bet. Now, speaking of elite-level approach players, Colin Morikawa is up next. His one disadvantage on the PGA Tour is that he is not super long off the tee, and that is totally negated by how Harbour Town is set up. That's not going to affect him very much whatsoever here. He actually played very well in 2021. He was in the final pairing with Stewart Sink, but he ended up finishing seventh, and I think part of that I would attribute to Stewart Sink had a lead heading into the round, and Morikawa knew that he had to play catch-up and had to catch him, and he played super aggressive, really fired at some pins, and it kind of, you know, did not help him finish overall in the tournament, but it did give him a little more of a window to win. Um, so I actually really think Morikawa does have a lot of winning upside this week. And if he gives you that elite-level iron play um, and just is okay with the putter, he has a lot of winning upside this week here at Town. Victor Hovland is up next, and he's only played here once. He only has a 21st place finish, but he's now coming off three straight top 10 finishes thanks to his ball strike, and he is just ball striking like really well right now, playing really well off the tee and really well in approach. Now, the only thing that worries me with Victor is that his short game is just such like, It's so bad. Like, it's really, really bad. And he's probably going to miss enough greens at this course. Like I said, one of the lowest GIR rates on tour. He's probably going to miss enough greens that he's going to have to use that short game. And so if he could just be okay chipping the golf ball... Like, he could really have a chance to win this week. And the thing is, I think it would be a lot easier for him to have a good short game week here than it would be at, say, Augusta National, where you've got all the different slopes, all the different contours and undulations of the greens. Um, I think this would be a better place to chip for him than Augusta National. So maybe Victor can put it all together if he doesn't have to rely on that short game. Cameron Young, um, it made a little career change. He got Webb Simpson's caddy Paul Tesori to come over and be on the bag for him. And he's, that's been the case for his last two events. And in those two events, he finished runner up at the match play and seventh at the Masters. So, um... Kind of seems like good things are afoot with Tesori on the bag for Cam Young. Now, last year, he actually came in third at this event. Now, like I said, on paper, this doesn't really set up well as a Cameron Young course. Cameron Young's one of the longest hitters on the PGA Tour, and that driving distance is kind of negated here at Harbortown. But Cam Young isn't just a mad bomber off the tee. He's just a guy who hits the ball long. So like what that means is, whereas other guys are having to hit driver to get to their spot for their second shot, he's able to club down and hit three wood or five wood and still get to that spot and play it with a little more accuracy. It also means that when everybody's playing to the same spot off the tee, the second shot he's hitting with a, you know, more lofted club into the green. So whereas Kyle Morikawa might be hitting an eight iron, uh, Cameron Young might have a pitching wedge or a gap wedge in his hand, which definitely gives him a major advantage, uh, and that definitely allowed him to you know, kind of come in last year and use that as his advantage to come in third. Cam Young is a guy who is a long hitter but actually excels at short courses for that reason, and so I kind of think that this is a really good spot to play him, and I kind of hope that a lot of people just on paper write him off because he is a guy that hits very long off the tee, and theoretically that does not put well at Town. Now speaking of not like boating well theoretically at Harbour Town, Tony Finau has not great history here. He hasn't opted to play here a whole lot in the years he's been on tour, and on paper it doesn't really fit his skill set, right? This is a narrow course. He loves to hit driver, and he can be kind of wild with the accuracy. But the thing is, with Finau, is he's so good on approach. He is one of the best golfers in the field with his approach stats that he may be able to use that to his advantage and. Maybe, like Cameron Young, he's a little bit of a contrarian play because people don't think this course is going to fit his skill set. Now, another thing about Fino is he's actually also historically great at playing the week after majors. If you just look back to last year, he was the runner-up at the Mexico Open after the PGA Championship, and he won the 3M Open after the Open Championship last year. Could he add to that with a win here at RBC Heritage? Like I said, it doesn't seem to fit him on paper, but if he is able to tap into that approach game, I think he could do it. Now, neither Xander Shoffley nor Max Homa have finished in the top 30 at this tournament before, and they're both from California. They don't really excel at this type of event at this type of geography in the southern United States, but both are great approach players and both both have the capability for a big time spike approach week like Max Homa did at Riviera and like Xander Schauffele did at the Travelers last year. So in the bottom of this 9k range, you're seeing a lot of guys that theoretically there's some holes that you can poke. There's some things that don't line up with this course at Harbortown, but they all have the capability to go out and win this golf tournament because they are all so good at their approach stats with their second shots into the small greens. All right, so that does it for the top of the board. Let's take a quick breather and let's talk about some value plays. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if we would ever see this day, but we've got Justin Thomas here as the first golfer out of the 9K range on DraftKings. He is at $8,900. It is the first time he's been under 9K on DraftKings since 2018. And believe it or not, he actually won that event. It was the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. So kind of bode well for Justin Thomas there. Now he is also not the same value on FanDuel where he's priced above Xander Shoffley, Cam Young, and Tony Finau. Um, So I kind of think that FanDuel has a little bit higher thought of Um, Justin Thomas than where he currently sits on DraftKings. Now, I'm like totally willing to bet the DraftKings, like them ranking Thomas down here this low, is an algorithm with his recent form, which has not been great. But I'm really willing to forgive the missed cut at the Masters. I think if he hadn't had to play in the rain on Saturday morning, he would have been just fine. He would have made the cut. Probably wouldn't have won the golf tournament, but would have delivered a decent finish, right? I'm, I'm just totally willing to forgive those nine holes on Saturday morning where he really tanked it. Now, he does have a decent history here at Town. He has a 35th place finish and an 8th place finish. And because of his price, tag. And because of that recent form, I don't quite know what the public is going to make of him. I don't know whether he'll be over-owned because the public's just going to see Justin Thomas at $8,900, click him in, or if he'll be underowned because people are going to look at that recent form and think that he shouldn't even be that much. He's only $8,900 because his name's Justin Thomas. So I don't really know what to make of him in terms of an ownership per- perspective, but I do like the course history and I am willing to forgive the missed cut at the Masters. Now, I do know what the public's going to do with this guy. I think Shane Lowry is going to be the chalk pick for the week. Um, he was top 10 in strokes gained TD Green at August National, but he just couldn't buy a putt. Still was better than Scotty Scheffler, though. Um, but his course history here is... Is elite. He has two thirds and a ninth place finish as well. So you're looking at a guy who's striking the ball really well, has great course history, and is notorious for playing well in bad weather. If we do get it at Hilton Head this week, yeah, everything's lining up for Shane Lowry, and I think a lot of people are going to click him in. Now, with Lowry being likely chalk, I wouldn't mind paying up for Sam Burns or Sung Im, who are a little more pricey, but they both had the capability for a big ball striking week. Um, that's kind of what both of them do. Burns has the win at Colonial, which is one of my comp courses, and. M is routinely one of the best iron players on the PGA Tour. I also really, really like Tom Kim. Like a lot. Who boasts a win, he boasts a win at Sedgefield, uh, which is one of my comp courses. And he is just an elite level iron player with his accuracy. And he's actually coming off of a very quiet T16 at the Masters as a debutant. So I think everything's kind of lining up for Tom Kim this week. Like Colin Morikawa, the one thing that separates him from the top guys is he is not very long off the tee. But guess what? That don't matter here at Town. So I really do like Tom Kim heading into Harbortown this week. Another guy I also like is Matt Fitzpatrick. I think he is like really, really cheap on DraftKings. You look at FanDuel, he is much more um, higher up priced uh, and I'm much more willing to play him on DraftKings at his price tag on there. I was full fading Matt Fitzpatrick because of that injury that he'd been dealing with the last two months, but he just came in top 10 at the Masters. And so I kind of think that means he's back and his uh, event here or his event history here, excuse me, uh, is also elite. He has three top 15 finishes, two of which are fourth place finishes. So you're looking at a guy who's starting to get his game back. Um, Game fits the course really well with just his accuracy with his irons. Um, And he has great history here. Yeah, sign me up for some Matt Fitzpatrick this week. I also think Tommy Fleetwood makes for a solid contrarian plate. As well, he was actually top ten here last year, um, and recently he's been playing some really good golf. He was 33rd at the Masters, third at the Valspart, and 27th at the Players. The Players being another Pete Dye course. Now, on DraftKings, I also really like um, the, the whole range, 7,600 to 7,800. I like it a lot. There's a lot of guys in here that I think you can click in. If you're doing a lot of um, 2v2 or just one-for-one one swaps, I think you could play with a lot of the guys in here because I think a lot of them give you a lot of upside. Um, now, there is a little bit of um, kind of holes in the armor um, for some of these guys. Um, But I definitely think all of them give you some upside. So Corey Connors, the one that people are obviously going to want to avoid because he just missed the cut at the Masters when everybody played him. And I think generally speaking, there's some psychology to when a chalk play doesn't do well that he's not chalk the next week um and Corey Connors though he does have elite level history here he has a 12th a 4th and a 21st in his last three appearances yes yeah, sign me up for Corey Connors he's a guy that is a really good ball striker um and when you get smaller greens it tends to negate the shorts or the, the you know the stroke scan putting a little bit which he is so bad at so I kind of think that this is a pretty good spot for Corey Connors Russell Henley boasts a ninth, a 23rd, and 26th at this tournament, and he is coming off of a 4th place finish at the Masters. He has also played well at some of my comp courses like Setchfield. However, I think that the 4th place finish at the Masters might be a little bit of fool's gold. He gained 10 strokes in chipping and putting. His ball striking was not that great. And his event history, I think you can kind of poke some holes in that one as well. He has 4 missed cuts here as well as all the great finishes. So Russell Henley, I think, does provide a high upside but also high risk option. Now, Matt Kuchar does win the Course Horse Award here at Harbortown. He has four top 10s and six top 20s in his last eight trips. He has not missed the cut in those eight trips, and I could think that you could really make the argument he's playing better golf right now than he was at any point in those eight years. He's coming off of a third-place finish at the Valero. He made it out of his group at the match play, and he had an eighth-place finish at the Genesis in February. Yeah, all systems go on Matt Kuchar this week. I expect him to be chalked, but I don't care. He's got the history. He's got the recent form. Sign me up for some Kooch this week. I'm also all here for Ricky Fowler this week. He has seen a continued resurgence, just playing some really good golf. Um, However, his form here is not great. He has not made the cut here at Harbortown in over a decade. Now, granted, he hasn't played it every year, but I think the argument to be made in favor of Ricky would be that he's a better golfer right now than he has been in the last five years. And so I definitely think that there is a little bit of chance for Ricky to break that streak this week. Now, Wyndham Clark is a guy I like a lot. He's never missed a cup cut here, but he's also never finished inside the top 35. Like Cam Young, he is a long hitter who plays well on short courses, um, and so you're going to see him take advantage of his length with his second shots as opposed to his first, much like Cam Young. He has a history of popping up at shorter courses if you look at his game log. He's also coming off of back-to-back top six finishes. Granted, those were in much weaker fields than this one, but he's playing some good golf right now, and I think even though he fits the profile as a bomber, I think like Cam young he's going to be able to use his distance to his advantage on shot number two as opposed to shot number one. Now the exact price of $7,300 on DraftKings features four guys who all have great records at my comp courses and that's JT Poston, Seamus Power, Adam Hadwin, and Brian Harmon. Poston though actually boasts the best course history here at Harbortown. He has three top 10 finishes um, here at Hilton Head Island. Now, the $7,300 price on DraftKings also has Matt Wallace, who is playing the best golf of his career right now and can excel in the wind. Um, he's a European tour guy, um, and so you know he can play in some bad weather. He has a win at the Corrales Punta Cana Championship recently, which was another sign that he can play golf in the wind. Um, definitely think Matt Wallace carries a lot of upside hand into this week. Two guys a little further down the board who fit the profile of the course very well are Denny McCarthy and Maverick McNeely. They're guys that always seem to play well at any shorter coastal courses, particularly ones with smaller greens, because these are two of the best putters on planet earth. Um, And so you look at small greens, the second they're on the green, they've got a putt they can make. Um, And so I think that both of these guys could be in for a big week here at Harbortown. Cam Davis is kind of in the Cam Young and Wyndham Clark category. He's a long hitter who excels at shorter courses. However, if you look at what he does he's a super boomer bust option he's either going to miss the cut by seven strokes or he's going to come in like top 10 Uh, and his history here is kind of evidence of that he was third here last year he also has a 25th place finish he has a win at another short course which is Detroit Golf Club Um, and so I think he kind of does fit the mold of Cam Young Wyndham Clark I'm going to use my distance on my second shot as opposed to my first shot now looking further down the board there's just Kind of a lot of decent value plays. Thomas Dietrich gives you a lot of talent per dollar. Ben Martin is one of the hottest golfers in the last two months. Um, there's guys that have done well at the comp courses, um, Svensson, Griffin, and Damon. I'm okay with any of those. Um, but then you get down into the nitty-gritty in the 6K range and it gets really ugly. Um, but there are some guys who have some upside. There's a few former champs like CT Pan and Stuart Sink. There's a guy like Luke Donald who has great course history here, although it's aging Luke Donald right now. He hasn't made the cut in the last three editions. Um, there's also a trio of South Africans who have some upside. Eric Van Ruyen, Gary Higo, and Dylan Fratelli, um, but they also all carry a lot of risk. Um, Higo I like because his only PGA Tour win is in the state of South Carolina at Congaree. Uh, and then EVR and Fratelli both have a top 10 finish here. Now, if I was to throw a dart on any guy 6,500 or below, my pick is Matthew Neesmith. Uh, he's actually made the cut here at Hilton Head um, at Town three straight times. He has the capability for some big-time approach weeks, like he did when he was runner-up at the Shriners in October, if he's able to channel that like approach that he had that week, he could be in line for another big week here at uh, Town. All right, so that does it for the player profiles. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some one-and-done strategy. All right, so another week of one-and-done. And, done. and um, I got to say, when it comes to the one-and-done for the majors, I think there was a lot of discussion last week on, you know, do you play the live guys at the majors? And I think that in general, like, it's not a bad strategy, but you got to get it right. Like last week, if you play Brooks Koepka, like congratulations, you, you really took advantage of that situation. If you played Dustin Johnson or Cam Smith, you really didn't. So I think that it's still kind of, it's not really an automatic as to, you know, just plug in a live guy. I think it's look at the course fit, look at how the play is coming in, uh, and then make that decision when you get there, whether or not it is worth the risk of playing one of those live guys or worth the advantage of playing a live guy. If you can use a Scotty Scheffler or a John Rahm at another event. So head into this week. RBC Heritage, it is an elevated event. It is a strong field. There is a lot of purse that is up for grabs. Personally, I don't think this is a great ROM week. Um, I think if you have ROM left, there's the U.S. Open, there's the Memorial, there's the BMW, there's other events where John Rahm is much better suited. Um, if you have Scotty Scheffler left, I actually wouldn't mind that. I think that'd be a little bit of a contrarian play this week because I don't think a lot of people would play him here. There is not another event on the PGA Tour schedule that Scotty Scheffler has a win at. So if you are you know looking to save him for another elevated event like... More power to you, but I kind of think that either here or Colonial would be like the last line of like really good Scotty Sheffer fits. Jordan Speeth, I wouldn't mind going to. You know, he won here last year. The only other course you might want to use him at is Colonial. Um, so I think that that could be, this could be a really good week to deploy Jordan Speeth. Um, I'd also think it's a really good week for Patrick Cantley. Like, um, You look down the line for Patrick Cantlay, there's the Travelers, there's the BMW, there's the Memorial, but I kind of wouldn't want to use Cantlay outside of those three courses. So um, in one of my one and duds, I've already planned out to save Cantlay for the Memorial. I might use him here in one of the other ones though, just saying. Um, I actually think it would be a really, really good week that if you have Morikawa to use him. Um, I can't see there being a better fit anytime soon um, with any of these courses other than Callum, or for Colin Morikawa. Other than like the U.S. Open that is at L.A. Country Club. You know, he is a California guy, so I could get that one. He is, he's also won the Open before. But like I said, I, I think this is really the best opportunity anytime soon for Morikawa. Um, Another guy further down the board that might be a little contrarian, if you need to gain some ground, I think you can go with like a Tom Kim or a Matt Fitzpatrick or a Shane Lowry. Um, I don't really see myself wanting to use either of the three of them like super far down the road or like planning out in advance. There's not like one course that stands out for those. Maybe Tom Kim at the Wyndham, maybe. Um, But I definitely think that those three would be a little bit contrarian considering it is an elevated event and considering that – I think a lot of people are still going to try to use guys near the top of the board. I also think that this is starting to be the point in one and done season where we've got one major in the books. We've got some elevated events in the books. Your position should start to determine your aggressiveness, right? Like if you've been saving these guys – for you know elevated events and for majors, you might wanna start using them if you're not up the top. If you are at the top, you wanna to preserve your being up the top and continue to use guys near the top of the board. If you're near the middle of the pack or near the bottom, you might wanna start trying to get a little contrarian, trying to make up grounds. That way you can then start being super conservative with picking guys near the top of the board. So, um. You know, let your position determine your play this week. But the, those guys that I mentioned, are, I think, are the guys that you're going to want to play. Um, I don't mind Scheffler. I don't mind Speeth. I think Cantlay and Morikawa are really the two best picks this week. Um, and then I would not mind a Tom Kim, a Matt Fitzpatrick, or a Shane Lowry if you're trying to gain ground. If you want to be super contrarian, pick Justin Thomas to win this thing. Because I, I think Justin Thomas, I think the ability is still there. Um, if, it, if you don't value recent form, Justin Thomas will be a guy that you could go to. All right, so there you have it. That is our preview of the 2023 RBC Heritage in 30 minutes or less. Like I said earlier, this is one of my favorite events on the PGA Tour. So this is going to be a week where... I'm really looking forward to watching some golf on TV, y'all. Yes, I know it's not the Masters. Yes, I know it's not Augusta National, but this is still a great course. It is very photogenic on TV. We've got a great field. It's going to be another great week to watch some golf on TV, and I'm really looking forward to it. As I said earlier, um, if you want to be notified when our new episodes drop, make sure you hit that subscribe button, and also please rate and review the podcast. I promise you, if you're sitting there thinking they just say that, no matter what, like, no, like, it for real does matter, please help me out. Trying to grow this thing bit by bit every week, um, and I can only do that with the help of you guys sitting there listening, and I really do appreciate it. All right, so that does it for this episode, guys. Whether you are playing DFS, betting, or one and done for the RBC Heritage, hopefully I gave you guys a lot of information that you can use to pick some winners. Um, Best of luck to you in whatever endeavors you're into this week. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.